We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Saturday for a Q&A. Our last Q&A before football is officially back, at least Chargers football, that is uh, training camp, of course, starting on Wednesday. So excited to be here, excited to talk football with my guys, Tyler and Alex. Tyler, uh, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing today? I'm very excited. We are so close. I know we have an episode tomorrow, so I'll say the same thing, but gosh, we are so close <laughs> To training camp i loved the content we did over the summer but it's time i'm so excited it's a great year i'm a season ticket holder herbert's the quarterback i'm i'm ready to go yeah you know i've been uh i've been scheduling some interviews over the last week or so uh you know watching some film and instead of like talking about you know my my, my mindset has just kind of like naturally shifted to instead of like oh shit like you know kaiser why uh linval joseph you know it's like okay this is what this defense could look like with for Derwin James. This is what it could look like for Joey Bosa this year. So uh, just kind of a natural shift already looking forward to the upcoming season and uh, excited for all of that stuff. So uh, Alex is here as well, man. Alex, how are you doing? Doing good. I, I have to recondition my brain too because uh, I remember when we did our uh, draft of the Telesco era, I just completely forgot some of the new guys were on the team, <laughs> which led yeah. to some poor draft picks. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely getting back into the swing of things and, I have to remember Gerald Everett is a charger. Yeah. I, I think you still won that poll, by the way. So No, I uh, lost the poll. To, uh, wait, did I win the poll? I don't there was a poll I lost that we did. I 
Oh no, See, you won the wide receiver poll because you put Keenan Allen in your top 10. And then <laughs> me and Tyler got blown out by like 70 points. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think Tyler might have won because he had Herbert. So Yeah, well, I had Tyrod. So every, the, all the comments were like, well, Alex's team would have won if he just got a top two pick. And I'm like, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, if he could have you know, gotten a real quarterback, you know, it is what it is. Um, Shun family starting the show off hot today. Shout out to uh, Mama Shun already in the in the chat with a super sticker. Um, so, like I said, we're here for your Q and A. If you have a question that you've been dying to ask us ahead of training camp, uh, please be sure and do that. If you feel inclined to use the super chat feature, we do really appreciate that. So, Arjun's in the chat already. What's up, Arjun? Hope you're doing well. Uh, hope your summer. Uh, has been fun for you. My guy was in uh, Europe traveling and, and watching some tennis and cricket. So, man, went know, to Wimbledon. I'm jealous. I'm salty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he he's talking about the Derwin James extension. Of course, we got some quote unquote news from Jeremy Fowler that the Chargers are optimistic that the deal will get done. Um, so, Tyler, where are you at in terms of what do you think is kind of the expectation for the numbers for Derwin's extension? Uh, eighteen point nine million dollars a year. I think. I think if we're doing like rounding, it's it's four years, seventy six, five years, ninety five. I think just and then just a tick below that, I suppose, if you're trying to be more accurate. But we basically know the floor is eighteen point seven five. The ceiling is going to be nineteen. I think somewhere right in the middle. Yeah, I agree. Um, I guess the big question is whether it's a four five year deal. Um, sure. But I think the framework will be a four. I don't think it really matters anyway because I think Derwin's going to be guaranteed probably 40. So, I mean, it probably is like a four-year deal that's really like a two or three based on like the average annual value and how much will be paid out uh, in those first two years. So, uh, I would guess four years, 75, kind of like Tyler's saying, and then probably we'll say 40 million guaranteed. That puts him right above the uh, Mika Fitzpatrick contract and that's what I think is going to happen. And I don't think there will be anything that really prevents it from happening. Uh, it's just a matter of when now and training camp starts. Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? Uh, veterans report to mo- on Monday, I think oh, on Monday practice yeah. starts. The first practice is Wednesday. So I think it probably gets done that week. Um, I think Joey Bosa got done like the 28th or something like that. Um, of July. So we're looking for a timeline. I guess that's kind of the timeline. Yeah. So Joey got his extension done. Um, the the day that they reported you know he had to report mm-hmm. they, all, they all had to report that year for the covid testing mm-hmm. and as soon as joey reported joey you know took his test and then basically went upstairs and and signed his contract so i i assume a deal is done and agreed upon it just hasn't yeah. necessarily been signed right now the the guaranteed money for me is kind of the most interesting aspect of this because Mm-hmm. You know, Mike Williams got a big chunk of guaranteed money, and um, I think so did Sebastian Joseph Day. And, you mm-hmm. know, so they, the Chargers threw a lot of guaranteed cash around for, you know, a team that's, you know, quote unquote, cash low, according to, you know, several other sources that we've seen. So that was an interesting trend for me. And I think Derwin was going to be the ultimate um, X factor in that regard, if you will. So if they give Derwin, you know, a $76 million contract, and it's $50 million guaranteed or higher, then I think we know that this they're willing to just straight up spend a ton of cash in order to build this team around. 
as opposed to guaranteeing 35, 40, which I feel like 35 would definitely be like a low bar. So kind of like Alex, I think 40 is kind of the minimum there. But I'm just kind of curious if that guaranteed money output is going to continue for Derwin. Obviously, there's the injury factor there, too. So that, to me, is like the most interesting aspect of the contract. Yeah, I'll have to look at what Brad Spielberger's update for his contract projection was. But, I mean, Arjun and Brad are pretty dead on with contracts, and they had him about like 49% guaranteed. So I'd expect something like that. That obviously can change with the APY, with the number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. I mean, they're obviously committed to him. It's a contract they want to be in. They want to have him for, for many years. But, yeah, I'm thinking half his contract will be guaranteed. I believe so, Brad's most recent projection for was four years, 75 and 40 guaranteed. So, okay. 40% guaranteed or 40 million guaranteed? 40 million. Okay. Of 75 or 76. Yes. Okay. So yeah, about half. Yeah. I guess, uh, you know, they, they, they did five years for JC Jackson. So maybe that kind of lines up too, but yeah, I'm mostly curious about that guaranteed aspect of things. So uh, a couple of good questions in the chat. I know Alex has been dying, however, to, uh, you know, talk about the Madden rankings and, and where everybody kind of <laughs> stacked up in that regard. So, um, Alex, I'll give you the floor here. Where where would you like to start on the Madden list? Um, well, so, OK, at first people were mad about the Madden ratings and it's like, well, they're biased against first and second year players like that happens all the time and then they'll still Mm -hmm. have like some vet who's clearly past his prime like really high on the list so that i didn't care as much about i saw the quarterback throw power list however and i just i just (laughs) don't know like what they're doing so i I started the list and it's like okay here's Mahomes, here's herbert here's allen it's like okay that's fine and then fourth was zach wilson which is like (laughs) what and then they have uh what was it baker and like three guys who are still ahead of Rodgers, including Malik Willis, who yeah. has not played a snap in the NFL. It's like you just like, Sam Howell was tenth, dude. Sam Howell, Sam Howell tenth over Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, who both <laughs> have cannons for arms and were literally drafted by the MLB. I'm yeah. just like, what are we? I I don't know. Um, that list just feels so wrong and i just wonder whether they actually watch football or not because if you have a top four that is anything other than mahomes herbert allen and rogers in some order and you could figure out the rest but sam howell in the top 10 baker mayfield two points below justin herbert after a year where (laughs) he's coming off of a crippled surgery season and he's ahead of aaron Rodgers, probably the greatest thrower of the football we've seen i just don't know what they're doing yeah, I'm just like, how do you like, what are you basing throw power off of? Because like we we have literal data of like who throws the football <laughs> the fastest. Yeah, and like there's just no way that anybody convinced me that big that Baker Mayfield throws a football faster than Aaron Rodgers. And we also have a lot of data to check like who can throw it the furthest. Mm-hmm. And again, there's just no feasible way to say that Baker Mayfield can throw a football longer than Aaron Rodgers. Like, so I don't like I don't know it, like. Are you just giving your opinions? Is is the Madden Raider just this is just his opinions or or what? Like, are we using data? And so that that was that was definitely strange. I think, of course, the offensive line issues are something that I will always you know be have an issue with. And you know, Rashawn Slater being I think like tackle fourteen or something like that. He wasn't even in the top ten, and he, his pass blocking rating was like an eighty two or something like that. It's like what? 
what are we doing? Like, I get if you want to kind of see them prove it, I guess, before you slap higher ratings on them. But my man was a second team all pro and he was a pro bowler as a rookie. Like, yeah, I feel well, like that should give him better than an 82 pass blocking rating. And did they make his run blocking grade 93 or something? Yeah, like I was that? like, I, I was like, that is completely backwards of who the player is. Rashawn is a fantastic run blocker, but mm-hmm. what he does as a pass blocker is just, you know, it's in a different planet for offensive linemen at this point. Yeah. I, I'm not really particular about some of these. Um, obviously, Morgan Fox being ahead of Jerry Tillery, I thought was funny. Um, I guess that makes sense, I suppose. Uh, Josh Palmer. Yeah. Yeah. Sawyer uh, Pickens is funny. Ooh, did they have him listed as a guard? Or a tackle? I don't uh, know, actually. Oh, no, he's a guard. Sure. Okay. I wasn't sure. sure if he, okay. Um, Joe Reed, only one point behind Josh Palmer, is interesting. Um, <laughs> hey, Joe Reed is looking jacked, though. Did you see that picture? He maybe got the strength rating up. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like Fajoko is getting his strength rating up as well. Um, he petitioned and go. they responded. They're going to review it. I don't know how every player is not asking for a review. Um, yeah, Rashawn Slater 84, eh. Kyle Van Noy being like the 13th best player on the team over like a Matt Filer is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, the edge rankings were weird too because it's like they put Chandler Jones like five spots ahead of Max Crosby and he's like 14th on the list. Like, yeah. I just didn't understand that at all. Um, and of course, Jamar Chase being the 20th best receiver in the NFL is, is certainly a take. Yeah, the edge rankings again. Like, there's we have data of who's good and who's not here. Like, you, I'm pretty sure the Madden guys have access to PFF and can look at pass rush win rate and total pressures and things like that. So Crosby being 14th was was crazy. I mean, I, I would love to sit here and say he Max Crosby 14th? isn't that good. Yeah, yeah, man. He was he was behind Chandler Jones by quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, which should be totally flipped. I mean, I don't I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. So, People like when the edge rankings came out, the first thing that people were talking about were like, "Is oh T.J. Watt's being disrespected?" It's like, "Hello, Max Crosby is 14th." <laughs> so that was an interesting choice for sure. Are you not able to get a higher rating? Like, there's no possible way you can get to a 99 if you're a player who just like literally does not have the athletic ceiling. Like, is Max Crosby just not much of an athlete or something? I I think they just view it in the same way that we sort of talked about, like, rookies and sophomores, where it's like, well, we've seen one good year for Max Crosby, so we want to see it again, right? Like, I feel like that's how they operate. But it's also like when you've seen players, whether they're rookies or sophomores, or in, like, a Max Crosby situation, be so dominant, like, it shouldn't be a question. Like, they should just be higher. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Like, if we're talking about pure physical talent, like, and that's part of what the ratings are for certain players, it's like, how you look at Justin Herbert and not give him, like, a 95? (laughs) I have no idea. I haven't played Madden in years, and these ratings still, like, get me all worked up. And, and like, like, I'm not buying the game. I do not have an Xbox or PlayStation or anything in my house. So, but still, it just, like, bugs me. I did see Daniel Jones on the quarterback speed list, um, and it just reminded me of that play, play where he ran as fast as Lamar Jackson and then fell directly on his face. Oh, that's why you sent the. That's why you yeah, sent the play. I was like, what, what he was he was up? he was ahead of Jalen Hurts on the speed list, and it just reminded me of that play where he hit like 21 miles per hour and then. 
Uh, so he's really fast. Yeah, the sniper got him. The sniper got him. <laughs> I suppose if you put me on a treadmill that was running at Lamar Jackson's speed and I had to step on it and go, I would fall on my face too. So <laughs> Daniel Jones is just one of us. Yeah, he is. He is. All right, we'll get into some of these questions. There were a few interesting ones that I wanted to mm-hmm. uh, point out. Um, Uh, Sweet Jumps asked, who is Carlo Kemp any good? One of you responded, who is Carlo Kemp? Um, <laughs> so he actually did train with um, shoot with uh, Coach Ed, the defensive line coach that I interviewed, who's trained a, a bunch of the Chargers players. So I did uh, get some information there. Uh, he did play outside linebacker in the USFL. I guess it was more of like a 4-3 front, so it was more defensive end. Um, the Chargers did announce him as an outside linebacker, but Ed seems to think that in this kind of scheme, he would be more of like a Morgan Fox kind of player as opposed mm-hmm. to like a, an MK Egbele practice squad outside linebacker player. Gotcha. So, um, you know, he is he was listed on the Pittsburgh Mahler side at 286, which is, uh, you know, a, a little bit bigger than most of the Chargers other outside linebackers are outside of Joey Bosa. I mean, mm-hmm. you're looking at Uchenna and Wozu was like kind of 250. Kilo Mack is around 250, 260. Kyle Van Noy, 240, 250. So 283 is is more in line with like a Morgan Fox, Jerry Tillery kind of player. And he and he's not super lengthy. You know, he's, he's a bit more stout and compact. So um, I know he was listed as an outside linebacker, but I kind of think he's going to be an inside rusher for them. Again, more of a project as opposed to like a legitimate depth piece that's going to make the roster. He could, he certainly could make an impact, but um haven't watched any Carlo Kemp film, but that's, that was the insight I got from uh, his off season training coach. Unbelievable. I can't believe you had a good answer to that question. I have no <laughs> idea who this was really good job, Steven. Thank you. Thank you. Those, uh, those connections that the chargers have been uh, building up with Ed have been uh, paying off. So, um, K Rich asked a question a, about JC Jackson. Um, and you know, we kind of went over this when the Chargers signed him, of course. But he wants to know is JC Jackson a true shutdown corner in coverage or basically just a premier ball hawk? Uh, Alex, what do you think of, of the uh, JC Jackson question here? Uh, both. I mean, I, I guess the ball hawk thing is interesting because we're going to talk about like the interception totals, and those can vary from year to year, but. If you told someone J.C. Jackson had two or three fewer interceptions, then, I mean, his coverage ability itself would still hold up. I don't think it's quite a Trevon Diggs, uh, you know, variance kind of situation right. there where it's like he's either getting an interception or, you know, he's potentially getting cooked downfield. Um, that's a situation with, I think, higher variance. But um, I think J.C. Jackson, I mean, the NFL showed in those ESPN rankings, they value him as a top five corner. Um, I don't know if I would say his coverage skills are like of the, you know, J, uh, Jalen Ramsey, you know, variety where that guy's clearly best in the league. Um, and, you know, maybe he'll get burnt on a few plays here and there, but he's still going to produce a lot of interceptions and give you a lot of coverage that no Chargers cornerback in the last 10 years could probably give you. So, I mean, I, I still think he's a top five corner in this league. Yeah, absolutely. I, again, like Alex, I don't know if he'll be that Jalen Ramsey peak at his peak, but still he'll be an excellent, I think, shutdown corner. You know, Staley talks about the film when he first walked in the building. Like, yep, I see all these things. I believe in that. You look at those stats that Arjun had posted of him on the graph, you know, in zone coverage, he's like a top five corner. In man coverage, he's a top five corner in terms of like passer rating or whatever. 
And then I think it was Timo. I can't remember who posted it, but it was, you know, who shadowed the number one wide receiver the most. And it was JC. Yeah, Yeah, it was JC Jackson. So you have a guy who's one of the best in man coverage, one of the best in zone coverage, who follows the the number one receiver the most out of anybody else in the league. Like, that's a pretty good sign. Again, Staley says the film looks good. I watched one game against Mike Webb Evans, and it looked good. Obviously, the numbers look good. Um, And I know that the big asterisk is obviously, you know, how will he do outside of the New England system? And I know that some people with the Chargers like that were responsible for kind of the risk assessment there feel pretty good about his transition to the Chargers. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we had heard from a few people that there were some potential character concerns, which maybe led to a bit of a lesser market for JC. I think a lot of people were just kind of shocked that the Patriots even let it get to this point. I know I was one of them. I, I figured he would always be kind of you know, locked in in New England just because of how important cornerback is in that system. Um, but I think he's he's absolutely premier ball hawk. I think it's not just the interceptions. I think he was uh, second in the league in pass breakups as well. Um, so he he's gets his hands on a ton of footballs, and that is obviously a fantastic trait for a cornerback. Um, in the ESPN survey, I think it was one of the NFC executives or NFC scouts or something like that said that, uh, JC has the best ball skills he's ever seen, which I mean, like Deion Sanders exists, so maybe he didn't see him play. I don't know, but um, it's still a very, very big compliment. And I think JC, I wouldn't put him in the same kind of like Ramsey, Jair, Alexander, um, that kind of realm as like a one on one matchup corner, but I think he's right in that tier below. And I think the numbers and the film kind of point that uh, to that same kind of ability. So you know, the, his presence, if he's able to stay healthy, is going to open up a ton of flexibility for the Chargers because Brandon Staley has said that he wants JC to shadow number one receivers. Tyler just pointed out that he did that a ton last year for the Patriots and kind of proving that he was a, a true number one corner after, of course, Stephon Gilmore left. Yeah, not worried at all. So kind of an extension here uh, in terms of the secondary Boogalump wants to know, will Michael Davis be a starter this season? So I know we have a few differing opinions on this one. So, Tyra, I'll let you uh, go first here on your thoughts on uh, Michael Davis's role this year. I mean, it's tough to say. At some point, I think he might be. I mean, that's just injuries. That's just concussions. That's potentially play. I mean, we saw Staley yank Samuel Jr. and Davis for Tavon Campbell, like just in the middle of a game. So at some point, (laughs) like, yes, Michael Davis probably will end up being a starter. I do think he should start. And I'm, I'm really fascinated to see what happens in training camp because there was that, you know, Daniel Popper put out the article of the first day of mini camp that Asante Samuel Jr. was the starter. But there was a section later on that Michael Davis deflected a pass, you know, from Justin Herbert covering Do- Donald Parham. So what was like the context of that? Like, was he in the slot covering Donald Parham? Is he going to be the tight end matchup guy that he kind of was to start the season last year? over Bryce Callahan maybe at some point I don't know I would love to see what the context uh for that was I don't Um, think he'll end up being sorry I don't think he'll end up being the starter to open the year but I think he should be um I don't think he's going to be the starter uh whether he should be really depends on I guess what we see from Asante Samuel Jr we know JC is going to be outside one uh obviously if Asante takes that leap and then they're looking forward to, you know, cutting Michael Davis next year, just because they don't feel like he fits the Staley mold as such, then, I mean, you know, he's going to be 
left off the team at some point. Um, I still think he's going to play a very important role, even if he's not a starter. Tyler mentioned the, the deflecting a pass on Donald Parham, and we've seen how Michael Davis can be really essential to defending guys like Travis Kelsey uh, and, and uh, Darren Waller you know, pretty frequently throughout the year. So I still think Michael Davis, even if he's CB4 um, by depth chart, I still think he's going to be in the rotation and be an important player to what the Chargers are planning to do particularly because the Chargers have also built a sort of smaller cornerback room ahead of him. So I think his size, his length, uh, and his speed are also going to be still really important. Yeah, he'll, he'll absolutely have a role. I think the Chargers have a lot of good options here in terms of the secondary if everybody's healthy. And, um, you know, I was listening to Mina Kimes' podcast about the AFC West, and he and she had uh, Ted Wynn on, who covers the NFL for The Athletic, and – he was talking about the secondary and all the kind of options that they have because not just go just because of Michael Davis and Bryce Callahan, but also because of JT Woods. And he's he's a big fan of the versatility that Woods can bring them and also allows Derwin James to be around the line of scrimmage a lot more often. So um, there's just so many more options this year. I think for me, like the ideal nickel package does involve Michael Davis and bumping Asante Samuel into the slot. Um, if everybody's healthy, of course. So really depends, like Alex is saying, like what do we see from Asante Semi Jr.? Is he like the, tr- the bona fide CB2? I think he should be. Um, and then Michael Davis is your third corner after that. Kind of depends on matchups, I guess. So I, I think Michael Davis ends up playing like a starter amount of snaps this year, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think he's technically a starter just based off of like what the base package will be. Cause I think that's Asante Samuel Jr. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we had a super chat. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, SoCal slime shout out for the super chat. He says, who's Steven's preferred matchup for Bosa in the first two weeks, Leatherwood or Wiley. Um, so Leatherwood has been making some strides himself. So I think Leatherwood ends up being a better player. Uh, so I think it'll be Wiley, but I'm just curious in general to see what how they rotate Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa in terms of like side and side because both of them really were like left defensive end, left outside linebackers for both of their respective teams. So um, how they switch that up is going to be very interesting. But the question here is Wiley. I just think his his floor is or his yeah his ceiling is significantly lower floor is lower because Alex Leatherwood, if he's good and locked in, then he obviously has a much higher ceiling. But Joey's going to cook. Joey's going to cook either one of these two players because I don't think they're going to be like a top tier matchup for them. Is Leatherwood playing tackle? He is. He's oh. um, according to Raiders people who have because Raiders started training camp last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is getting snaps at guard with the second team, but he is the starting right tackle right now. Hmm. Again, it's at least first week of training camp, but yeah, yeah. Uh, someone's hitting their mic. It's getting pretty incredible feedback. All right, there we go. Uh, interesting. Bob Leatherwood taking first team reps at tackle and then second team reps at guard. Yeah, I really wonder what Duke thinks of that. Uh, I know that he hates that they put him at guard last year. So after playing Joey Bosa, yeah. <laughs> I know it's like so many coaches are are super inconsistent with like what they expect from rookie offensive linemen. And it's like you drafted this guy clearly to play tackle. 
And so he has like a rough start to his rookie career, rookie season. And you're like, let's just bump him into guard and in the middle of the season. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's just not an ideal situation for any rookie offensive lineman or, or player in general, right? Like, I mean, he wasn't a rookie, but we saw Kenneth Murray struggle with a linebacker yeah. to mm-hmm. edge kind of transition. And uh, it's just not fair to the young players to ask them to learn one position and then midseason be like, hey, learn this new position on the fly. Yeah, it's no surprise that Slater was the better tackle last year. He just played left tackle. You're at a left tackle, you're playing left tackle. Sewell had to move back and forth. Yeah. Um, Eichenberg had to move to guard or whatever he ended up being in tackle. Leatherwood had to move. It's just not ideal. Like, it clearly doesn't work. Well, it can, but, like, don't yeah. do it in the middle I, of the I can't find the I can't find the question, but speaking of uh, Kenneth Murray, I saw Anthony Hopper asking about Murray potentially being placed on the PUP list or the IR or something like that. Um, from what I've seen, teams are kind of waiting until everybody's in the building to place a player on the PUP list. So uh, I would expect we find out a little bit more about Murray's situation on Monday when all of the players actually report to camp. Didn't the Saints already place Michael Thomas on the PUP list? I think, yeah. Well, I saw something like that. Um, so I think teams have already started the process, but the Chargers probably wait till they're formally in the building. These questions always crack me up. Jace wants to know, hypothetically, in a situation due to injury in training camp, which of these veteran guys would you be most comfortable with coming back to the team? Chris Herod, Jared Cook, or Linvoth Joseph? Oh, Linvoth. Um, I think it would, like, from an on-field perspective, it's definitely Linvoth, but he's also coming off of a shoulder surgery or a yeah. surgery of some kind. We don't really know how healthy he is. Chris Harris reportedly has five teams interested in him. I don't know how much I buy that. CFL or... <laughs> yeah. um, the answer is definitely not Jared Cook, though. I'm, I'm good with the tight ends uh, where they are at. I'm good. Linval's fine. If they want to bring him back, whatever. Harris and Cook are just objectively terrible. Yeah, it would probably be Joseph, then Cook, then Harris for me. Joseph really? being a clear front runner. Yeah, I mean, watching all the games now on offense with Jared Cook, well, obviously there are significant issues, don't get me wrong. But like, I feel like they have players who can just do what Chris Harris Jr. can do, or at least they should develop him. Linval Joseph, I think they have some guys they can work with there. Donald Parham, like, I don't know how much they actually believe in him. You know, it's like 193 sure. yards this is season high. If they absolutely had to, and they absolutely had to, Jared Cook, if Gerald Everett gets hurt, obviously, would at least be able to slide in and kind of maintain some production, I suppose. Sure, that's true. Uh, true. Please don't get hurt, Gerald Everett. (laughs) Um, Shout out to Everett O'Neill, just joined our our YouTube membership program. So a good opportunity to plug that, of course, as we get close to training camp. Tyler's going to be there for most of the practices and likely sharing a lot of information in our discord app so uh make sure you are signed up for that if you haven't already it's a great opportunity to uh just get some inside information from somebody that has boots on the ground over the next few weeks yeah i'll I'll be there all of except for three days i think during training camp so i'll have as much information as i can give you um so yeah follow me here on twitter whatever Absolutely. Um, 
Thomas Martinez wants to know about joint practices versus the Cowboys. Are all eyes on the tackles versus Parsons? Any other spicy matchups, Diggs versus Allen? I mean, if I were there, I would be watching the tackles versus Micah Parsons, uh, specifically Rashawn Slater. You know, they had some really fun reps in the game last season. But I think naturally, like most people are going to be watching the receivers versus the corners on both sides. Like, I, th- I think there's a good amount of CD Lamb buzz this year, too. So CD mm-hmm. versus JC Jackson, Keenan versus Trayvon Diggs. Like, that's where most people are going to be watching. But, uh, I mean, I'm a trench guy, so that's my answer. Yeah, I, I do want to see Keenan Allen because he had, I think, one really great play to start that game. But then there were like the two slips and he was undercut for an interception by Diggs during that Dallas game. Just kind of some weird things that don't usually happen with Keenan Allen. So I'd love to see him get you know some revenge there as much as he can. Yeah, I think wide receiver cornerback matchups are generally easier to watch during training camp, too. Because like, after, you know, I guess obviously edge players and offensive tackles like go to the rep but like there's sort of a point where they stop versus i feel like the wide receivers and cornerbacks just kind of like keep going through the play um yeah i mean keenan versus anyone would really be interesting um maybe we can get like another rams fight uh with the wide receivers and the cornerbacks and we just start chaos uh but yeah i I think that any, any real matchup versus the cowboys would be pretty interesting you gotta love uh, training camp fights. There, there wasn't really anything physical with the Niners last year. I know that there was like a lot no. of verbal yelling between the two sides, but um, we'll see if that streak breaks this year with the Cowboys. Uh, Jarrett, the Chargers and Rams are not having a joint practice. The only team that the Chargers are joint practicing with is the Cowboys. And I would check your email for the season ticket yeah. thing. That's what I figured. If you guys see a question, of course, uh, you can put it up. Look, I know we're going to talk about this tomorrow. Like, I don't know. Letty Brown, he's not electric. I, I don't know what people keep. <laughs> people love him so much. I get it. There's so many great things about him. But electric just does not feel like something that really speaks to me when I watch him. I know the highlights are really cool, but you know, Miguel, I'm just not, I'm not really feeling it with Liddy Brown. And if you're frustrated with Joshua Kelly's fumbling problems, look at Liddy Brown's five last year. Yeah. I feel like Marks is the more electric one between the two. If I had to pick one. Yeah, I agree. I, um, I mean, I, I watched film on both of these players. Uh, Letty Brown just felt like, the same kind of player as Larry Roundtree, where it's yep. like, if there's a clear defined hole, like he can see it and he can get through there. And if he gets in an open space, he can be a, you know, physical kind of player and potentially break some tackles. But, you know, Tyler mentioned the fumbling issues. I'm, I'm not super into that kind of back. I just think he's really redundant. Um, I do think that they would choose Roundtree over Letty Brown because Roundtree has been in the system. Mm-hmm. Roundtree has more special teams value. So for me, if there's a, an, the undrafted running back that can make the roster is Marks because of his diversity as a pass catcher, as a runner. And also he was a fantastic blocker mm. uh, at Memphis. So I think there's more special teams value there. So, mm. you know, if you're talking about keeping four running backs and the last spot is Roundtree versus Marks, I think Marks has a better chance than Brownwood just because of his special teams, his potential special teams value. 
I also, yeah, I also just think the highlights matter a little bit less. I mean, when we talk about these guys who are making the preseason and what you do in camp and even like preseason games, you know, there was the one big Larry Roundtree run versus the Rams last year, um, yeah. you know, and that's when the Roundtree hype really got to its uh, peak uh, where he's blocked for an open hole. Uh, but I think it's less about those plays too and more so when you're talking about Brown or Marks or somebody's got Kelly fighting for a roster spot as well. When you're talking about these guys that are going to be in that position, I think it's more about what they do on special teams from rep to rep than it is about what they're doing on offense during a game. Obviously, if you fumble during a preseason game or you commit some kind of error on offense, it's going to come back to buy you, particularly blocking and stuff. But uh, I think the Chargers are going to make that decision much more on a special teams basis, uh, similar to how Eckler was picked out of that crop of undrafted free agents a couple of years ago. That's a great point. Uh, Tylen asking about uh, any similarities between Justin Jackson and Isaiah Spiller. Mm-hmm. Says to me, even though they both lack speed, they have great vision and can break tackles. Yeah, I don't know if they're, I don't know what their physical profiles look like, but they do look very similar. They do have that elusive trait. For some reason, Justin Jackson was like fifth in the league in yards after contact per attempt last year. I don't really expect that to have held um, over many years. I don't know if it did or not. Um, but otherwise, the elusiveness, the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, just that kind of one cut, the wiggle. I think there's a lot of similarities there. I think when you were watching, it was pretty obvious that he was kind of just Justin Jackson, but healthy. Yeah, um, I think Justin Jackson has better vision, personally. Um, but they both can break tackles and both play with that physicality. Yeah, I think, um, you know, one similarity that I would point out is that they're both of them are not necessarily like elite receiving options, but both of them can do a lot of good things as a pass catcher. Like I think that was kind of an underrated aspect of Isaiah Spiller's game was his ability to, you know, uh, get out out of the backfield, run some Texas routes, run some option routes and be effective in that regard more so than just like, Hey, run this screen and catch the ball with a lot of blockers in front of you. So Justin Jackson was a very good receiving back. I think Isaiah Spiller, also a, a very similarly underrated receiving back. I guess I would say Spiller's kind of better through the contact. Um, I generally trust Justin Jackson's athleticism and vision more, though, of course, the big difference being that Spiller seems to still yeah. be young and able to stay healthy. Yeah, I would say the biggest advantage that Jackson has over Spiller would be contact balance for me. And just the way that Jackson mm. is able to just kind of plant his feet in the ground and stay, you know, um, on his feet, essentially when he, he's going through contact, I think would be the biggest edge there. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Um, Always love uh, pop culture questions. Yes, I'm so questions. ready for this. Okay. Um, Teresa is looking for movie suggestions for today to beat the heat. Lord of the Rings, Godfather, Harry Potter. Uh, I'm feeling the same way. It's uh, not supposed to be as hot today as it was last Saturday, uh, but it's still going to be like 103 today. So I'll, I'll take the five degree <laughs> downgrade a little bit. Uh, but Tyler, uh, suggestions for Chorizo Compapas today as he's uh, trying to stay inside and watch the movies. I mean, if you have to break this tier like into who, this trio, excuse me, Lord of the Rings trilogy by a mile and then watch it again, the extended versions. Um, the Godfather trilogy would almost have it, but you think that third one, you know, I've only seen that once and I wasn't super fond of it. Um, and then Harry Potter after that. I think the Harry Potter movies are eh, fine. Not but a big, big Harry Potter guy, huh? No, I'm not a big texture guy. Uh, I'm, I'm, a big, <laughs> I'm a big Lord of the Rings guy. Not a big fan of the Harry Potter textures. Yeah. Big, big elf guy over here. Um, the Harry Potter movies are fine. Like they're obviously a big part of, I think, most of our childhoods or at least the cultural yeah. zeitgeist at the time um if you have like a you know girlfriend fiance who is really into it watch the twilight movies um it's really oh. funny to go back and watch those they suck don't get me wrong so bad <laughs> but you can have some fun with that so yeah maybe the twilight movies um i mean john wick four trailer just dropped you know keanu yeah. reeves versus donnie yen like it sounds amazing watch the john wick trilogy it's just some fun um i don't know whatever Dark Knight trilogy? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, if you're talking about these three things, like, the answer is obviously Lord of the Rings. But, um, you know, I think there, there's a lot of good opportunities or things that you can check out. I mean, depending on what streaming services you have, of course. But I, uh, I was laughing the other day because Brooke and I recently started watching um, What We Do in the Shadows, that Taika Waititi is it good FX show it's so funny I it's so oh funny God. it takes a little bit to get going and it is kind of like dry humor so mm-hmm. if you're not super into dry humor it's probably not your show um but in the second season because the first season is only like 10 episodes so you can get through it pretty quick um but in the second season they do like a spoof on <laughs> on the uh baseball scene from twilight <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know where okay. what's his name like, gets the ball like into the forest. And, yeah, like, they're yeah. like chases after it, and you know they do a little spoof on that in in uh, the FX series with Taika Waititi, and then like, Brooke and I were dying at it. Oh my gosh, I have to look that up now. So that's on Hulu. Uh, if anybody wants to go watch it, if you're into Taika Waititi, I think he's a fantastic director, but uh, just a really funny like vampire spoof kind of show. I actually really hated Godfather 3 the first time I watched it, but then I watched, they released like a director's cut version of it. Um, Oh. Was it last year, two years ago? I think it was last year. It actually wasn't 
as bad as I remembered. Um, I guess if you're just saying like quantifiable trilogies, like what their IMDb composite scores would be, uh, then probably Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Other one two. I would probably yeah. take that over Lord of the Rings still, but um, it kind of depends on what stuff you're into. I know I'm going to be watching. Uh, what's that movie called? The Russo brothers are doing it with Chris Evans and uh, Rayman. Austin. Gray man. Yeah. Like I wanted to watch that this weekend. But... I saw Nope yesterday. Not a big fan. It was okay. Did you, did you at least, did you like like the first half more? Like when did it lose you or was it immediately? It kind of, so I don't want to give spoilers. The stuff they do with the monkey wasn't yes. that good to me. And that's sort of where they lost me because I felt that the movie got bloated because of that. Everything with Kiki Palmer and mm -hmm. uh, Daniel Kaluuya, love that stuff. Mm -hmm. It gave me, you said signs on Twitter, but like how bloated it was and like the ending just feeling not that great. Like it didn't mm -hmm. feel like a great resolution. It kind of reminded me of like the happening a little bit. Um, not, oh, that's worse. No, okay, <laughs> that's much not worse. As, <laughs> not as not as bad as that movie. Like clearly, Jordan Peele is yeah. like not and my channel with how bad that movie was with the acting and stuff. But like it's it's the most cinematic like Peele movie. But it I is. just felt like it got. I feel like he got ahead of himself like writing it because like it probably could have been two separate movies with the monkey and Steven Yeun's character and mm -hmm. the other stuff. And I just thought the other stuff was better. I don't know. Yeah, I, I was the stuff that they shot, like what they were going with Steven Yeun and, and Gordy or whatever. I was like, okay, interesting. Like this is maybe even intense. Like what's this going to be? And then it just goes away. And it's like, oh, okay. I guess we're not talking about that anymore. Um, again, I try not to spoil anything. I, I don't think it was like signs. It just Jason was asking about like, oh, scare, yeah, yeah. Totally. scare level. Yeah. Like what, how scary is it? I think it's like kind of like a signs. Uh, yeah, I think people. I think people, most people would like it fine. It's just, it's up to you. Once you get kind of the idea of what's going on, it might completely, you might completely hate it. Like, I, I'll be honest, like you might yeah. hate the reveal, I guess. Mm -hmm. Brooke and I might go see that tonight. She loves Jordan Peele. Um, so we'll see. Uh, Chorizo with a follow-up question. If all of these guys are commissioned to kill each other, who survives? John Wick, Jason Bourne, James Bond. Uh, what I'll say is James James Bond is getting out of this competition like immediately. <laughs> um, <laughs> even if you're talking about Daniel Craig's James Bond, like I just don't think he can hold up against what John Wick and Jason Bourne can do. So I think John Wick's character is just so much more of a gun specialist, and Jason Bourne is much better in hand to hand combat. That James Bond is the clear weak link here, and he is out immediately, pretty much for me. Yeah, I agree. I, I even think like the shift to Daniel Craig and like Casino Royale was because of Jason Bourne, how much more intense yeah. and kind of cool that was. Um, I'll say John Wick. I'm a big Keanu fan. And also, I, I almost think he's kind of invincible at this point. Like he has yet to yeah. die from everything that he's, he's gone through in yeah. like four days. So I think I think John Wick. Yeah, I mean, both of them have quite a bit of like plot armor. Um... <laughs> sure. I'll go John Wick. I mean, just in terms of like, I feel like that's how the first John Wick movie in particular is just like structured with like the legend of like how he is and that gets around. Um, I like I like the Bourne movies a little bit more though, and then it kind of like yeah, I can see that fell, it fell off when they did like Legacy and they like tried to replace Matt Damon yeah. with Jeremy Renner, and then they had yeah. to bring Matt Damon back. Um, but yeah, I 
I think John Wick probably wins that fight. Yeah, I think just from like a sheer will standpoint, like John Wick is is going to outlast whoever is in this competition. But, you know, if Jason Moore has a chance for me, it would be like hand-to-hand combat, you know, and just like duke it out with John Wick that way. But um, like I said, Wick just has those survivors, survival skills uh, on tap. Um, K-Rich pointing out you could have put in the equalizer. Sure, I guess. Not the TV version, obviously. But with uh, Denzel Washington, <laughs> could John Wick beat versus, the 2001 uh, Lakers? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Shaq in a Shaq in this kind of competition. Shaq would put 80 points on John Wick before he gets shot. <laughs> well, John Wick did beat that basketball player. Who was it? In uh, the third movie? Uh, Boban. Uh, Boban. Yeah. yeah. So you know, there's some <laughs> precedent yeah. here. I forgot that Boban was in that movie. I forgot. Is it chapter three or chapter two? I don't remember. Three. I think it was the third one. Because yeah. I'm with the yeah. book or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you guys watch Hustle on Netflix with Adam Sandler? No. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, Bobon's in that, and it's like yeah. a recreation okay. of Benchwarmers, where that guy is like 27 and he's trying to play in like Little League. Oh, <laughs> so Bobon, like Bobon, is huge and old, right? Yeah. And Adam Sandler's like, "Are you sure you're 18? Because if you're older than 22, you can't be in the draft." And he's like, "I'm yeah. 20." Yeah, I also liked um. <laughs> Uh, Bo Cruz going against Tobias Harris and all that. That was good. Yeah. Um, Anthony Edwards is awesome in that movie. I feel he like he, he should be in like every movie that they make, like regarding <laughs> basketball, outside of basketball. He's, he's, he's awesome. He is. So there's another movie suggestion if you want to uh, check out a sports movie with uh, Hustle. Um, I saw some football questions again in here. Um, <laughs> They're rare. Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, Tim F. What do you think the chances of going with both Leonard and Taylor over Campbell and Hall? So we are we are going to do a, a position battle episode tomorrow. So I don't want to like spoil a ton of this, but I do think that it's it is important to to kind of separate these two battles, like Tim has outlined here, because a lot of people are like, oh, like they could choose Taylor versus Campbell, and I think for me. You're talking about a slot position battle with Taylor and Hall and then an outside corner position between Leonard and Campbell. So I think it is important to distinguish those two as opposed to just saying like they could keep Taylor and Hall, for example, or they could keep Campbell and Leonard. So I think it's going to be two separate position battles, two separate winners there. Yeah, Uh, Taylor has the easiest shot just by nature of draft position and, and honestly skill, but... What are the chances? It really feels like a coin flip. I'll be completely honest. Like it does feel like a 50-50 shot. I'll let you know after a few days in training camp. Honestly, like whichever ones do better on special teams, like that that feels kind of like the answer. Um, I know they mentioned in that uh, Popper Athletic article from Minicamp that Hall's working with Guyton as the gunner, um, you know, kind of in that role. So um, if he proves his value on special teams and kind of wins like the gunner job, then he might just be kept on the roster for, for that purpose. Um, other than that, I think just your Taylor's probably the lock. And then they pick one of Campbell Hall or, uh, Leonard. Yeah. Like I, I think Taylor's pretty much a lock for kind of like that last spot. Cause I, I say last, even though he's like probably more likely to play than like Dean Leonard would be but um just from like a positional standpoint like there's 
so many options in front of him for slot for covering the slot that I don't know how much Taylor is going to be playing, but I think he will make the roster. Um, I mean, Leonard has a chance, man. I, I think it's an interesting case study that will play out because Campbell's obviously the veteran. They they know what he can do. There's no like developing Tavon Campbell. Like he is what he is at this point. But we were talking in our Discord earlier this week, and Dean Leonard has basically like zero experience playing man to man defense. Like it's always been zone coverage and specifically like way off zone coverage at Ole Miss and in Canada. So Leonard's got some intriguing physical skills for sure. He's never played man-to-man coverage essentially. So if they view him kind of as like a, a ball of clay that they can mold throughout the season and play in a pinch, then that's maybe they'll choose Leonard. Um, a lot of uh, chief offensive line questions over the last couple of weeks, obviously with Orlando Brown and his situation. Um <laughs> I laughed really hard at Andy Reid yesterday, <laughs> yeah. like immediately starting his press conference and said, well, we have full confidence in Joe Tooney playing left tackle if Orlando <laughs> doesn't show up and we feel like we were set there. Um, Tooney did play a couple games last year at left tackle. They were pretty good. Like they weren't elite by yeah. any means, but, um, you know, they're they're in a good spot regardless because I think, you know, you have an elite center. If Tooney and Trey Smith are your left guard, right guard, for me, that's like the best interior trio in the league by quite a lot. Um, but if Tooney's kicking out to left tackle, I still think you're talking about a good offensive line, mm-hmm. but you're not talking about an elite offensive line because you're getting worse essentially at two positions by kicking Tooney out to left tackle, bringing in a backup left guard. I hope by week two it's Joe Tooney at tackle and Chris Jones at edge and just all these good <laughs> interior players are moved outside. Yeah. Uh, I guess I, th- I like I still think it's a decent offensive line, specifically just because you have Creed Humphrey, um, and you guys have guys that I think can stabilize it if you have to move Joe Tooney and they really can't reach a deal by week one. It would be worse, but I guess this is also like a how good do you think Orlando Brown is question, right? Because if you think sure. he's a top ten tackle, then obviously that's like pretty dramatic drop off. But if you think he's more I think like we do in the top 15, 20 range, then you can probably get, you know, get away with having Thune. If they didn't sign Thune last year, I think they would be in much bigger, much bigger trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just like the chiefs have so many question marks for me and, you know, offensive line is like at the lowest in the list. Like to me, offensive line and linebacker which were real weaknesses of theirs a couple seasons ago are like the strengths of the team outside of Patrick Mahomes of course um so I mean for their sake like obviously I hope that you know they'll be able to get back Orlando Brown but from our sake like I obviously don't like please hold out some if you want to um but you know to me the biggest x factor for the Chiefs is the defense again because I think they they clearly wanted to get younger and more athletic but Melvin Ingram was a huge piece for them down the stretch. And, you know, George Karloftis, I think I like him as a prospect, but he's not going to be better than Melvin Ingram out of the gate. And Trent McDuffie is not going to be better than Charvarius Ward out of the gate. And you're talking about them opening the season with the Cardinals offense, the Chargers offense, the Colts offense, the Buccaneers offense, the Raiders offense, and the Bills offense in the first six weeks. So Flying in read for Matthew, too. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so they're just in a, a bit of a transition phase. The 
but they were in kind of a transition phase last year too, I guess, from a win-loss standpoint. So the difference obviously is you got to be able to take advantage of the first six games this year. Yeah, I feel like we're just going to see the same stuff we saw last year for the first four games. We're like, I don't know, or the Chiefs finally on the the decline, and then we see Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, and it's like, oh, okay, never mind. (laughs) So I feel like that's kind of going to play out this year. Yeah, probably. Tyler, any thoughts there on the Chiefs? Final thoughts there, I guess? I, I want a full, healthy, ready-to-go Chiefs team. I don't want to beat them in week two, or I don't want the Chargers to beat them in week two. And it's like, well, we didn't have this and that. And no, like, let's just go in, beat the Raiders, beat the Chiefs. Like, I want I want a definitive start to this year. Like, no, this is our AFC West this year. Absolutely. I agree there. I, I'm, I'm always a fan. Like, people are always like, oh, I hope he, you know, he's – uh rooting for certain suspensions to happen or rooting for people to be injured it's like no like i want healthy versus healthy like i want a better football game better competition and the charges obviously to come out on top (laughs) uh thomas martinez is an advantage that isaiah spiller is only 20 for the rookie dinner shenanigans since he can't buy alcohol yet this is always so funny to me i don't know if you guys saw from um i think it was the pivot podcast where garrett wilson was on there and he was talking about like rookie dinners and um how it was just going to be like yeah. the worst experience possible and i think this is low-key an advantage for isaiah spiller because you know they can't put that tab on his check i guess i don't know but um i wonder if the chargers do this we haven't heard much we haven't heard many like horror stories about rookie dinners recently from the chargers so hmm. i wonder if this is still a thing for them or not well, I know they, they put up pictures of like rookies carrying uh, pads before uh, right. quite, a, quite a bit. I don't know about the rookie dinners. I will say um, I relate to Isaiah Spiller's uh, struggles uh, with terminal baby faces. I uh, forgot my ID <laughs> at a restaurant last night and I could not order alcohol. So I uh, oh, no. <laughs> yep. Yeah, happens happens to the best of us or the worst of us. Uh, so understand where Isaiah Spiller's struggles come from. That's a bummer, Alex. Yep, it's bad. No one, no one bought some alcohol for you. Well, no. Well, also, okay, it's like a small Italian restaurant, and then like if someone would have bought alcohol for me, the if someone, the, someone would have had it like slid over to me, and the waitress would have walked by and been like, "Oh, what the fuck's going on over here?" Uh, so, it's really was really a way that I could have gotten away with it. But, yeah. That's too bad. That's too bad. Yeah. Sometimes when I, I was always the designated driver, obviously in college. And so I would like buy alcohol for my friends who were underage and just like say, Hey, this is mine. And then just give it to them. So, yeah, it's also different uh, in Antigua because you can be 18 and order alcohol versus here. You have to be 21. So yeah. when I slide over my ID and it's like born in 1999, the waitress takes a look at it and like wonders if it's fake. <laughs> <'Cause> no <laughs> one believes that I'm 23. Uh, so. You're born in 99. Yep. That made me feel so old, man. <laughs> I'm not even that far off. It's just like, yeah. Whoo. Like you are Phantom yeah. Menace age. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've had the same experience, Tyler. I imagine yes, but little kids or middle school kids or high school kids always just like assume that you're super old. <laughs> and um, like, I don't Not really. Maybe it's just like because I have a beard and like I, I like I've yeah. always looked older than I actually am. But I had a, a high school kid yesterday tell me that I looked like I was 40. And I was like, bro. <laughs> I was like, kid? Jesus. A high school kid, yeah. 
Because I have like some like you know dumb little five year olds be like you're fifty million and it's like okay well not quite <laughs> right. but right. a high school kid yeah I I would not have guessed forties I would have guessed like maybe thirty or something you know I don't know which I'm twenty eight like uh, you know, yeah thirty is is close enough but you just look weathered I... and sweaty at school I know like, <laughs> you show up like Ugh. was like, Isaiah oh, yeah, Stiller 40. born in two thousand one or two thousand two if he's twenty. I would guess 2001, right? I guess he's turning 21. This is important. <laughs> Let me see. Let's fact check this. So he was born August 9th, 2001. So he okay, turns so, 21, so yeah, so he's turning 21 in training camp. Okay. So, so looks really like he won't actually ditch. He won't really ditch the rookie hazing. You know, I imagine oh. he'll, uh, he'll get that 21-year-old alcohol bill pretty quickly after that. <laughs> Oh man, August. I think uh, I think Matisse might have been like twenty, like his first Sixer season or something, and they just made him buy like a ton of Chick Fil A for the whole team, so that <laughs> took place of, of alcohol. But yeah, yeah, yeah NBA players are different because like Devin Booker was eighteen for like oh yeah, basically his whole rookie season. Yeah, uh, I just remember Bill Simmons saying Jason Tatum was only 19 for like eight years. <laughs> yeah. Was, like, yeah. Uh, Teresa Compapa is what offense scares you more, Chiefs or Raiders? Uh, uh, Chiefs. The one that has Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty easy. Uh, <laughs> um, like the Raiders scare me, and obviously you add Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro takes another step, but. To me, that's just a Derek Carr versus Patrick Mahomes question at the end of the day. And I'm much more scared about what Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid can still do than Derek Carr and Jonathan Daniels. Yeah. I think for me, this is like, I mean, I trust J.C. Jackson to at least hold his own against Devontae. And I trust Derwin, Michael Davis, that combination to, mm-hmm. you know, win some uh, matchups individually against Darren Waller. And obviously, I, I trust the defense as a whole against Derek Carr, whereas Patrick Mahomes can just like pop off at any moment and yeah. you know score three touchdowns and three drives, and you know we've seen that time and time again. So I think for me, it's just it, it's the quarterback thing more than anything else. I guess the way I would answer this question is like if the Chargers have a twenty-point lead over either of these teams, who? scares you more in terms of who could come back and that's still that's still the Chiefs without they're constructed. Yeah. All right, trying to find a couple more questions. We'll take a few more. Um and then we'll head out for the morning. Get your get your food questions in. We're we have five <laughs> or ten minutes left. This happens every episode. Yeah, yeah. one food question for twenty minutes. Come on guys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll find some realization over here. We, we did cover a lot of like pop culture stuff today. You know, we talked about the NBA a little bit. Well, it's July. <laughs> it's, it's still training camps next week. So we're yeah. not <laughs> leave back in. Teresa said, when people stop carding you for alcohol, it's a sad day. So I guess enjoy that moment for a while, Alex. No, yeah, no. Yeah. Probably going to get carded until I'm 40. So. <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> Do, do do Jewish people have the Asian thing where they look the same age for about 80 years and then all of a sudden they turn 80? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'd, I'd say, yeah. Also depends on, depends on how much hair they have. Cause I, I feel like yeah. 
that, that's a big factor, but you know. Alex, uh, somebody was asking, like, I don't know how this came up, but what are the most common, like, Jewish last names? Like, I know Schwartz is, like, a big one, but. Uh, I'll Google Goldman. This. Goldman? Uh, anything ending in Berg. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there, there's, there's a lot of them. Really just look at IMDb and you'll, you'll, find, <laughs> you'll find everything you need to find on that topic. Um, there's a, uh, most the, common surnames, Cohen. Cohen's a big one. Yeah. Huh. Um, I think the more interesting thing is the first names because I know, like, growing up, I knew like a ton of Jewish boys that were named Ari. Like, that's like a huge huh. Jewish boy name. Um, Rachel, big Jewish girl name. There you go. <laughs> Every Rachel I see now will just be like, uh, yeah. "Are you Jewish?" There, there's at least a seventy percent chance. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Levine, Thomas also pointed out Stein. Levine Stein, yeah. All right, we got a food question from Thomas, so we're oh, talking about it. Does fruit belong on pizza? What about tacos? Sorry, I just started with the pizza. It doesn't belong on pizza at all. Yeah, yeah not on pizza. I guess it depends, like, what are you doing for tacos? Like, if you're doing some sort of, like, fish, Baja fish taco with, like, some, like, pineapple salsa, maybe. But, like, otherwise, no. Like, I not really i think this is specifically like a pineapple question or like a mango question because yeah, like mango. obviously you're not gonna put like a strawberry on either of these right you know or like <laughs> in utah they do i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> funeral potatoes in your tacos they'll put a, they'll put a chocolate covered strawberry on a pizza and call it a, a dessert oh, pizza or some Jesus. shit i don't know <laughs> yeah no, what, no pineapple that technically counts as a fruit though like because you know what the state vegetable of oklahoma is no, it's a watermelon. Hmm. Wait, like is, vegetable? Yes. Like it is avo is avocado a fruit? I want to say yes, technically. Because I was just thinking, like, if you're making like I don't know guacamole or something, like, does guacamole by proxy count as a vegetable? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if avocado is a fruit, then the answer to this question is yes, because oh, that, that that I think yeah is avocado a fruit only only on tacos though. I would think avocado is a fruit. Oh, dude, it's considered a fruit. So yes, there we go. Right. Then the answer to this question is yes, dude. Yeah. Chicken, fruit, bacon, fruit avocado pizza, fantastic. All right, oh, avocado's so good. Next, let's solve world hunger. <laughs> but uh, the answer, if you're talking about pineapples, the answer is also yes. I had a pineapple pizza on Wednesday. It was fantastic. Oh, Jesus. What the Hate fuck? You. What the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. It was great, dude. They, they put fresno chilies in the marinara sauce, and then they had uh, oven-roasted prosciutto and then pineapple. It was a great pizza. You put you put pineapples near oven-roasted prosciutto? Not in the prosciutto. But it was no, I just, in the same five-mile radius. Like, yeah, it was, absolutely. It was, oh, it was a great balance of spicy, sweet, and salty. It was fantastic. Absolutely not. I've seen a recipe for avocado brownies, by the way. Avocado uh, brownies? I don't know. Mm, not the accoutrement that I would put in brownies. Um, in terms of tacos, there is, uh, you know, obviously tacos al pastor with pineapple is a fantastic com yeah. uh, combination. Mango salsa, great. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're talking about avocado. Teresa, not a fan of mangoes and tacos. Obviously, if you're like 
making it work, not just like here's a mango slice, <laughs> like an avocado I'm a, slice. I'm a fan of tacos. Mangoes, we could live without. Cut. If you guys could switch lives with any Chargers player, who would you choose? Ooh, it's a good question. I mean, okay. Who's the aside from the fact that I'd have to get like break up with my fiance, so I'm imagining I didn't have to worry about that. Hmm. Um, I mean, Keenan's got it pretty good. I mean, Keenan's lived in Southern California like his whole life, and. You know, he's earned a lot of a big chunk of change throughout his life. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I mean, obviously, like, Justin would have the most fun because he's still single. Like, he, I mean, he basically gets to do whatever he wants. I don't know if I'd want to be Justin, wants. though. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're inheriting his personality, too. Yeah. But, I mean, Justin's got a good sense of humor. He hmm. does lift. So that's good. No. Actually, I think for me, the answer would be Sebastian Joseph Day because he gets to do a podcast with Mike Tyson. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, he has a, a YouTube channel dedicated to eating food. So that would be pretty fun. And he's just like, he's just such an electric personality, man. Like, I think that would be Yeah. Fun. I completely forgot. The right answer is Chase Daniel. That's the, that's the job that I want. Oh, yeah. Get paid to do nothing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Charlie Whitehurst, yeah. Kellen Clemens, Chase Daniel, you name there it. You like, yeah. Any of those. I, I think Chase Daniel is the answer. That's perfect. I'm just catching up on some of the comments, and somebody pointed out cauliflower on tacos. Gross. I've seen cauliflower in pizza, and that also looks inedible. I've had cauliflower like crust before, but yeah, no, but I mean like cauliflower as a topping, like on the cheese. It's just so strange. It doesn't even look yeah. good. Like, why no. would it just? There's a it, it, big texture guy. No, no, not on, <laughs> no on the cauliflower texture. Fair enough. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> Thomas Martinez pointing out Fajoko. I think, like, obviously he's a great guy, but there's always just kind of that, is he on the team? Is he not on the team? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that that kind of back end of the roster grind is just, like, would not be my choice. Like, I want an established future. Okay, now you just saying a bunch of weird things, guys. Cauliflower with mac and cheese, pizza with mayonnaise. Pizza with mayonnaise? What? That goes in coffee. <laughs> That's yeah. That oh god, <laughs> I saw that video and I was like, "What is Will happening?" Will Levis, man, undrafted right now, <laughs> deported. He should be. He should be out of the country. I'm sorry, Stephen. Who's the quarterback you gave like the lowest grade of all time? <laughs> uh, it was um, what's his name from Michigan. Um, oh, I give his name. He was in the USFL name. this year on the same team as uh, Paxton Lynch. Are we talking about Shea Patterson? Yeah, Shea Patterson. Yeah, so below yeah, that. That's the one. Yeah, that's <laughs> below that. Talk about a weird texture, man. Mayo and coffee. I can like slightly understand people that put like a modicum of like butter in their coffee or something. I've heard that before, but mayo, just no. And he squirted like half the bottle. In yeah, he did. That's and the I thing. was like, that's disgusting. <laughs> You're not even drinking coffee anymore. You're just drinking yeah. mayonnaise. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, SoCal Slime said Justin has a girlfriend. I know there's been a bunch of rumors. Like, yeah, uh, during the COVID, a lot of people thought he was dating some chick from the Bachelor franchise. Um, 
last year a lot of people thought he was dating um the NFL network lady. Shani. Yeah. But I mean, not that Justin would ever like post about it, but I feel like we would like consensus know if Justin had a girlfriend or not. I don't know. Send us your sources, SoCal Slime. Honestly, I feel like we wouldn't. I feel like Justin just wants to go his whole career with us not knowing anything about him, which I respect. Sure, but I mean, he's <laughs> like in LA. Like, if Justin Herbert had a girlfriend, I feel like it would be pretty common knowledge. Probably. But I also feel like Justin is being in LA. I think he wants to be as low key as possible. Like, I think he almost views the paparazzi as like a challenge. Let's see how much you can. Yeah, Thomas said paparazzi would have caught him by now. Yeah. Like, he's so big, too. Like, you're not talking about an average human being just being able to sneak around a girl. Yeah. Like, there's no doubt that that guy is Justin Herbert as soon as you see him. Yeah, I, I think I think that's probably why he goes back to Eugene all the time. So he can, he could just, like, avoid it. No one's going to follow him yeah. to Eugene, Oregon. Maybe he's got a – maybe there's, like, a former Oregon soccer player that he's, like, dating or something. I don't know. Maybe I'll, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, do we want to address the birthday cake and ice cream question or just head out? Birthday cake mostly sucks. I always get cheesecake because it's way better. Um, ice cream, it kind of depends. There's the half baked ice cream from Ben and Jerry's, which has like both like fudge brownie and chocolate chip cookie dough in it. It's freaking amazing. It's so good. Yeah. I'm against Ben and Jerry's because you're just not getting enough value and it's too expensive <laughs> for that pint. I'm sorry to be Jewish here, but like, you're just <laughs> I've never value. weighed the value of a pint of ice cream. I'm like, give me that ice cream. I don't care how much I'm spending. If it's good, it's good. If you buy the store brand ice cream, it is, you can get a whole gallon of ice cream for the same cost of a pint of Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, but you're getting a tub of vanilla ice cream. Vanilla value wise, would you rather have like spend like eighty five dollars because it has Jimmy Fallon's face on it? Like I don't. Uh, <laughs> that's basically what Ben and Jerry's is. But I mean, you're, I buy you're the buying Jimmy Ben Kimmel and one. Jerry's. You're <laughs> buying Ben and Jerry's because they have like other flavors just besides like classic chocolate or, or vanilla. Yeah, like nobody's going. Nobody's getting vanilla Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Like you're getting like the yeah. tonight dough or, or whatever flavor. Yeah. that just has like a bunch of everything in it. But the value is still not enough because then you run you, out of you ice cream. Actually go to the, <laughs> you actually go to the store and you buy the giant lunch pail of vanilla ice cream. Like I, yeah, ones. I would. I would actually. Yeah, yeah, I do that a lot. Or I buy like the big, uh, just the, like big tubs of it from like the store brand or something from like Publix. <laughs> Or they have like a ShopRite or whatever the store is in California. The local store brand, you just get more value than like this like tiny little pint of ice cream that runs out in one sitting. Do you finish the entire one thing sitting. of vanilla ice cream? Right. Also, yeah, I would do that in one sitting, by the way. Oh, <laughs> like you talk about those big gallons? Do you actually finish it? Oh, I could. Oh, I could knock that out in like three or four tries if I wanted. Interesting. <laughs> You're talking to a former fat man here. I mean, <laughs> I, I could do it if I wanted. <laughs> former fat man. What's the? Did you ever get past like 250? Uh, I was two, 235, 240 at one point. Okay. I think I'm 190 now. Cool. Yeah. But um, I do agree with Tyler's original point. I I don't like birthday cakes. I Ooh. if I have to choose like a cake, like a Texas sheet cake is probably my favorite option because it's. 
thinner. Like the issue with me for cake is is the ratio of cake to frosting is just always way off. Mm-hmm. And sometimes cake can be super dry. So I'm not a big fan of birthday cake. There's this one cake called the Russian honey cake that has like crumbs around it. And then it's like infused with honey. It's actually really good. Um, I'm pretty standard. I can just go for like a normal chocolate cookies and cream. Not bad. Um, not a big fan of like birthday cake in general, though. Kind of plain. Yeah. Cheesecake is the way to go. It's just so much better. There we go. That's the Q and a, I never thought we would be talking about the value of Ben and Jerry's ice cream on our show, but look, uh, it, it's like, it's like Tom Telesco, right? If you, if you have the value of those later round picks, you, you know, you don't want to be forced <laughs> to spend them uh, on Xander Horvath, potentially if he was leveraged into that, but um, <laughs> you know, you just get better value in the store, better bang for your buck. Inflation. I don't know. Inflation is pretty crazy right now, I guess, but I'm still not going to buy like just the store value jug of vanilla ice cream. <laughs> I mean, look, it gets the job done. There you go. Not when the girl craves chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. You got like a chocolate. Well, I'm living by myself right now, so that's not a concern. Is you eating a sad bowl of yeah. vanilla ice cream? <laughs> yep. <laughs> or a whole pizza by myself. Could do that too. Oh, yeah. Always. Always. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for our Q&A today, guys. Uh, we will be going live tomorrow morning for our regular Sunday episode, so stay tuned for that one. Um, if you are interested in joining our YouTube membership program, our Patreon page, the links to those are uh, in the description, so please go check that out. Um, Daniel Ortiz, I guess, thanks for the <laughs> Oh, that needs to be our header. It's like one of the, it's like one of the, it's like one of those like uh, movie reviews where here's what the critics are saying, and it's like this movie stunk when I first watched it. Oh, terrible. <laughs> We're like a cult classic now. Like we have kind yeah. of a bad movie, but like over time, you really like it. We're kind of like the room. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what we are. There you go. I guess that is just. Oh man, what what a way to end the to end the Q and A today. So hopefully, hopefully everybody has a, a good. I know. <laughs> I know. Hopefully everyone has a good Saturday. We'll see you guys tomorrow for our uh, last episode before training camp. So, I uh, will talk to you then. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.